0: Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au Let's come to the Word of God together this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray, God, that our hearts and our minds will be open. I pray, Lord, that you will speak something in a world right now where uncertainty seems to be the prevailing atmosphere sometimes. God, I pray that You will give us something today as we look forward into tomorrow, as we start to get ready, Lord, for what You have in store. You are not following the world's timetable. You have Your own. And God, we want to log on to that today. We want to download, God, what You have in store. And so, God, I pray that every single person, whether they're online or in the building, will find themselves today captured by a revelation from You in Jesus' Name. Thank You, Lord, for every help, for every strength, and for every insight in the Name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Paul the Apostle writes to his son in the faith, Timothy. And he says this in 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. Listen to it. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I got taught as a young Christian that whenever you see a therefore in Scripture, you would look to see what it's there for. And so following that uh, beautiful insight, I went back to 2 Timothy chapter 1 to see why did he make the statement, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And when you read 2 Timothy chapter 1, he begins to pull that, is spell out, some of the trials that he's undergone as a servant of God. He starts to list out some of the opposition he's encountered and some of the disappointments along the way. And yet he doesn't look at those things and come away dejected or depressed. He doesn't come away from those things going, "Wow, well, you know, why did that happen? But he begins to launch into the grace of God in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse one, He says because these things can occur in the life of a believer, because you can encounter opposition, because trials may come, because disappointments may arise, you need to learn how to be strong in grace. Now the last few weeks, I've taken you to the parable of the prodigal son. When I did it the first week, I thought that was it, but then came week two of that, And then I'm going to take you back there again today. It's interesting to me that if you ask people that are not Christians, that don't have a faith in their life, say, what are the stories of the Bible that you know? There are two that most people will tell you. Number one is the story of David and Goliath. There are books written about it, secular books. There are books about this victory against overwhelming odds. And so I understand why that one resonates with humanity that faces issues. But the second one that people are likely to mention to you is this one, the parable of the prodigal son. Why does that one resonate so much with humanity? I believe it's because this story of mercy and grace so touches the hearts of every one of us that know how flawed we are, that knows how many times we miss the mark and there's something in us that wants to believe that there's a God who doesn't judge us as quickly as a God who will show mercy to us. Today, I want to show you something about the story. It's the story of three people, a father and two sons. But I want to show you something that I believe is quite profound. Maybe it'll change your life. So just four verses, Luke 15 Verse 21, the son, this is the prodigal, the boy fresh out of the pig pen who makes his way home, uh, shoeless, wearing just rags, ravenously hungry, pawned everything of value that he could possibly have pawned. And now he turns up home begging the father to give him the lowliest job of all. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Bring out uh, the ring and put it on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. I'm trying to. The father here in this story, as we read it, I want you to think with me a minute about the posture of these three people, the father and the two sons. The father is looking forward to the return of his son. That's so obviously a part of the story. The father's out there waiting. When the son comes home, the father sees him when he's yet a long way off. The father's looking for his return, for the restoration of relationship. But if you understand this story and the culture of its time, he's looking much further ahead and more significantly than simply to be able to say to this son, welcome home, I missed you, at least you're safe. The father is looking ahead to something far greater than that, He gives him the robe that says you belong to the family. You're accepted here. He puts on his finger the ring of authority. The father you see is looking past the pig pen and all that lost inheritance. He's looking past that to partnership with his son. He's saying to this boy, I'm restoring you back to what you had before you fell, before you left, before you transgressed, before you sinned. The father, in other words, is looking far further ahead than just welcome home, it's great to see you again. Now contrast that with the posture of the two sons. The prodigal son is looking back. He says, Father, when I look back, I say I am not worthy. I'm filled with the awareness of my sin." I am aware so deeply of what I've done to the family name, of the way that I've shamed you and the way that I've shamed myself. I I turned up here today conscious of my insufficiency and my lack. He's saying I'm not worthy. And so this guy, where he's looking, is he's looking to his past failures, his mistakes, his wrongdoing. But the problem with that is that all that that does for you is disqualify you. It condemns you, highlights your insufficiency, your poor character, your weakness. How many times have you or someone you know uttered these words, if only I hadn't done that. If only I had not made that decision. This boy turns up and his entire Focus is looking back to that fateful moment where he said to his father, give me my inheritance now. I'm not waiting for you to die. I want it now. And he goes off saying the world is my oyster only to discover after a while it was just oyster and no pearl. And to discover that when he got there, he only had fair weather friends. There was no family that stood with him. There was no church family that got around him in times of need or crisis. All he had was himself. And when his resources ran out, he discovered how alone he really was. That's the prodigal and It's the most obvious part of the entire story. That's why the parable isn't called the elder son parable. It's called the prodigal son parable. We don't call it the father uh, parable because this guy's the main focus. But however... It's not only the uh, prodigal son who's looking back and seeing his past failures, but the older son too is looking back. Look at verse 29. The older son, seeing the, uh, the restoration that comes to the prodigal son who's wasted it all, he's angry. He says this in verse 29. He answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. Where is he looking? He's looking back into last month, last year, the years that have gone by. He's looked back at everything he's done for the Father's sake and the way that he served so faithfully. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. Never look back there, Father, you can see. But you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. See, this guy too, is looking backwards. One looks back to failure. The other one looks back to achievements and listen to it. But both of them miss the power of extravagant grace. Whether you're looking back at your mistakes or you're looking back at all the good things you've done for God, after you've been a Christian for a while, you can begin to feel that your serving or your ministry earns you some brownie points with God, as we say, you can start thinking in your head that somehow or other the things you've done for God are what move God to answer any request or prayer you have. You feel like after a while you can feel like your mistakes, even as a Christian, disqualify you. You know, there's this thing in the world, I heard someone talk about it, just this week, imposter syndrome. It was a lady who climbed to the top of uh, one of the major financial uh, funds in America. And uh, in a world that was so male dominated, she becomes the number one. She's just started a, her own bank, really. I think it's up to 1.3 billion or trillion or some huge amount. And there's this lady who's now at the top of her financial game. And she says, Every day I feel like I'm an imposter. That somewhere along the way, someone's going to uncover my weakness. Think about it. I I spoke to someone once in this church who said to me that every time they got to do their job, they felt exactly, they never used the word imposter syndrome, but that's what they meant. See, these two guys both were looking back to what they'd done. Whether it was good or bad was really actually irrelevant to the grace of God. Because looking back and saying either I'm bad or I'm good, looking back to that says that you can no longer build a relationship on grace. Because extravagant grace, listen to it, write this down and remember it. Extravagant grace always looks forward. Extravagant grace always looks forward. It's not looking back. It's not saying, do I deserve it? Have I been good enough or have I been too bad? Have I done enough good things for God? Extravagant grace looks forward. It's not built on, listen to me, it's not built on your failures nor on your good works. God won't answer your prayers any better because you lay down your life and do all kinds of stuff. He will not do any more for you in that regard than He would whether you have done none of it at all. Why? Because extravagant grace is not built on your failures or your good works. Now, Romans chapter 10 says very plainly that there are two kinds of righteousness. That is two kinds of standing with God out of which comes your confidence. It says the first one is the one that is based on what you've done. And it's always insufficient for confidence. I don't know about you, I love that verse in 1 John where it says this. It says, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God. And we all go, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, God, my my heart doesn't condemn me. I'm going to pray with faith today because I've been good. But then the next verse says, But if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. In other words, there isn't a part of your life that disqualifies you from the extravagant grace of God. None of us have done life perfectly or without fault. And so the one that depends on how good I am, some of you in this last week will have been so looking back to that failure, to that hiccup, to that uh, you know, speed bump in life that threw you off, that detour you took. And you think that somehow or other you've missed the perfect will of God for your life. And if only, listen to me, if only you could go back and undo it, you could get back on track. Romans chapter 10 tells us that there's another kind of righteousness with God. And it's one that depends on my relationship with Him that leads to a confidence in extravagant grace. This kind of righteousness says, because I'm His. Are you with me this morning? Because I'm His, He listens to me. Because I'm His, He's got plans for my life. Because I'm His, He wants to bless. It's got nothing to do with how good I'm. now. I'm not saying you can just cavalierly kind of go, well, oh, if it doesn't matter, Jeff, I'll just go out and do whatever my flesh feels like. Well, I would say like any good parent, I love watching parents with young children. When the babies are born, the baby can do no wrong. It can soil its nappy and leak out everywhere and we just go, oh. <laughs> but when that child's five, 10, it's no longer, why? Because you're going to grow that child, aren't you? Well, God's a good father. He loves you the way you are. He just loves you too much to let you stay that way. Amen. So don't kind of think, well, I can do whatever I like because God's got a lot. He's raised a lot of kids. Amen. You are not the first one to try and hoodwink Him. Amen. You're not the first one to try and think you can get Him to change His mind. One that relies on because I'm His, I can stand and face any future because I'm His child his son or his daughter. Now, that was the introduction, all right? Now I want to get into something here. I hope you will take these away and I hope you'll let them live. Thank God this message will stay up on YouTube and uh, the podcast will be up in a couple of days as well. So whether you want to watch it or listen to it, you can hear it again. Let it get inside of your life because I think this is one of the most important messages you're going to hear all year. Until next week. So here we go. Are you ready? Extravagant grace looks forward to a prepared future. If I am the recipient of the great grace of God. Now I know that part of our humanity goes, it cannot be that simple. That's that's, that's too good. Think about it. When the prodigal son returns home, the father doesn't say, get cleaned up. Good to see you home. I'll see you tomorrow morning, bright and early, ready to work off your debt. Yet how many Christians are living as though they are working off a debt? They're paying off all their sins and their mistakes by what they want to do for God. Grace looks forward to a prepared future. The father had prepared, we covered this a couple of weeks ago, restored authority, the restoration of relationship, but he's also restored to favour. Can you imagine being the servants and tomorrow you're going to get ordered around by the guy who wasted half of the father's wealth? But see, he's wearing the ring and he's got on the robe and it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. This guy has now been restored to favour and to privilege. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 won't come up for you, but It's just a verse that I love. It says this, it says, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of man, listen to it, the things which God has prepared for those that love Him. Can I tell you, listen to me, every blessing that comes your way is not luck. It's not random. Listen to me, it's the result of God's preparation. Can you believe that this morning? God has prepared great things. I has not seen, nor hath ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. I am not walking in luck. I'm not walking in randomness. I'm not walking even in some kind of, well, gee, I hope. But I'm walking because of extravagant grace. I'm walking in a prepared future. Can you say amen? Number two, extravagant grace looks forward to significance. It is impossible to be a follower of Jesus and to be a nobody. It's impossible to love Christ, to have surrendered your will to His will, and to live a life that has no impact at all. Mark, you'll remember, I think, about the girl, one of our team in Cambodia, I think was one of our first students, wasn't it? Rhonda reminded me of the story only a week ago, who turned up at Transform with one page out of the New Testament. You remember that? One page out of the New Testament, And she turned up with it, but she'd given her life to Christ on the basis of one page. And I wonder who lost a page out of their Bible. It's impossible for you and I to do something no matter how small it is. Jesus said, give a glass of water to a prophet. There's a reward coming your way. Extravagant grace looks forward to significance. This somebody who became a nobody gets restored to being a somebody again. I want to tell every one of you, no matter where you are, no matter what your circumstances are like or how close to the top or close to the bottom you feel you are today, I want to tell you that according to the Word of God, you are a somebody in God's eyes and you're significant. You're a partner in His work. You're not an employee in His work. You're a partner all because Of extravagant grace. Extravagant grace looks forward to a prepared future, it looks forward to significance, and I've saved the best one to last, if there's a best one out of these three. Extravagant grace looks forward to unearned rewards. Think about this boy again who comes home from the pig pen. He's wasted one inheritance but because he's restored again to family, to relationship and to authority. Listen to it. He's in line for another one when the father dies. The father doesn't say, hey, and by the way, just remember, you wasted your inheritance. You're no longer in the will. The father doesn't say, you've already had your share, but this guy again, is restored. That's why I think the elder brother is so peeved because he's looking at saying, I had all of this and now I've got to share it again. Extravagant grace looks forward to unearned rewards. So let me ask you a question this morning or today, tonight, whatever time zone you're in. Let me ask you, what are you looking towards? If grace is not active in your life, listen to me, you will spend many, much of your days looking backwards. That failure, that mistake, that sin, that screw up, that wrongdoing. You spend all your time looking back. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be aware of sin and deal with it and repent, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the people who've got a caravan load of yesterdays that they've hitched up to their vehicle No wonder why they travel so slow. I felt this morning that the Holy Spirit wanted to cut off the past for some of you because grace says to the past, you don't matter here. Grace cuts off our yesterdays. If grace is active in your life, you can look forward. You can look forward to a prepared future I love this because I go, God, I have no idea, really, there are no expert pastors. There are some perhaps more gifted than others, I don't know. But I know there aren't any experts. I know that there aren't any methods and formulas that you can follow. I know that every single one of us are there saying, God, it's Your grace that takes us on. And I know that as a church, I look at all that this church has been able to do over the last 30 odd years. And I say, what a miracle. And so, well, every part of it, really, I say, God, your grace has been enormous. Look at all the things you've done. And that gives me confidence in the next seasons of our life as well. Why? Because we're not living out of what we've achieved. We're living out of extravagant grace, a grace that cuts off the past. Amen. (laughs) Let me pray right now. Some of you here, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to do anything, but you'll know if it's you. If there are things in your life back there somewhere or other and they just keep on holding on to you, dragging you back, you're, you're the prodigal to keep... You know, the prodigal son only made the speech to his father once that we know of. But some people make that speech to God every day. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. For some of you here, that... Yesterday needs to be the last time you make that speech. From now on, you've got to start making the speech that says, God, because of Your great grace, I'm not looking back. I'm looking forward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for every person, most of whom right now, they're a part of it. They're hearing it now. Others, Lord, that in the days to come will hear it again or hear it for the first time. But God, you are timeless and time full, so it's no more difficult for you next week to bring your power to bear in someone's life than it is right now. Holy Spirit, there are people that have been carrying yesterday around for so long, thinking that thing was what gave them the right to approach you or what disqualified them from it. God, would you set them free today in Jesus' name? Would you cut off? by Your extravagant grace, the past. Instead of looking back, turn them 180 degrees, Lord, and let them start to look forward to a prepared future and to significance, to unearned reward in Jesus' Name. Father, I pray too for people that are a part of this service today and they've never invited Jesus to be Lord of their life. They don't have that kind of hope and that kind of peace and that kind of joy and that kind of relationship with You. But Father, today they're going to say yes to You. As simple as that, their yes will transform them and take them out of a life without You into a life walking with You. And Father, I thank You for helping them today. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. If that's you this morning, this afternoon, tonight, if that's you and you say, Jeff, I don't know Jesus like that, then I would strongly encourage you to give a yes to Christ today. You don't have to earn your way into His good books. He just wants to write your name in the book He calls the book of life. What Jesus did on the cross, sacrificing His life for all of humanity, means that when I say yes to that, I get taken out of my own life filled with just me and I start to walk with God. If you want to give your yes to Jesus, it's so easy. You can text Y-E-S to 0488-826-392. It's up there on the screen for you. If you're outside of Australia or you'd like to get our help and our care via email, then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au If you're with us, of course, on Metro Church Online, I know people are there right now. The Yes button's there for you. You just click on that. I want to give my heart to Jesus. And then we'll start sending you a Bible verse every day and we'll start sending you a prayer every day. Different ones each day for 30 days. You can opt out whenever you like. Most people don't. I think in the entire time we've been doing this, only two ever did. But we'd love to encourage you and help you in your walk with God. Because I believe that He's got a prepared future for you. He's got significance for you. And I believe He's got unearned rewards for you in Jesus' Name, amen. Come on, let's give those people a great big hand and say congratulations. Come on, make it a good one. For them today, in the Name of Jesus. We are absolutely a group of people that look forward. Not because we're optimists. Not because we have a positive mental attitude. Hopefully we have all those things. But we look forward because we have a God who said, I has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God's prepared for them that love Him. So there is not a day where no matter what the day looks like, that God has not got something great prepared for my life. Come on. Nothing highlights it as much as communion does. Team, would you come begin to serve? If you're a believer here, join with us. Doesn't matter if you're not from this church, this doesn't belong to a church, it belongs to a body called the body of Christ. Just take a piece of the bread that's in one of those cups and take one of the cups, then keep it for a minute, hold it. When we've all been served, we'll stand and eat and drink together as a family. But let me read to you what Jesus said. In the light of what I've just preached about grace, extravagant grace looks forward. Luke 22, verse 14, when the hour had come, he sat down, the 12 apostles with him. Then he said this to them With fervent desire, I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I say to you, watch this, I will no longer eat of it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He begins this table by saying, this is not about right now, it's about tomorrow. He says, I'm looking past this moment and the betrayal. Listen to me, the betrayal that's about to happen from Judas. And He says, I'm looking past that to all those that are going to believe. I'm looking past this to its fulfilment in the Kingdom of God then the Bible says He took bread and He gave thanks and broke it and He gave it to them. And He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Think about that a minute. When He said, do this in remembrance of me, they must have gone, but you're still here. I don't, I don't have to remember Rhonda, she's there. Now if Rhonda wasn't here, I'd have to remember Rhonda. And right there, Jesus is obviously speaking about this and saying, it's actually not about now, it's about the future. When you do this, remember me. Likewise he took also the cup after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you, and he hasn't died yet. This entire thing is a picture of future for every believer. Every time you take this, the Bible says you do show forth the Lord's death Until he comes. In other words, it's not about your now, it's about the future. Are you with me? Let's stand. We're going to eat and drink together as the family of God that we are. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for a great future that you have prepared for all those that love you, not based on how good we are or how much we deserve it but simply based on extravagant grace. Thank You for that, Lord, in Jesus' Name. We eat and drink and we look forward today to what You'll do in our life and through our life. In Jesus' Name, Amen.